Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you of art. For there is nothing else. Some artists make a Okay, I think we got it. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I am Albert Shivers, and this is episode 51. You believe it? I don't even believe it. But on this episode, there is a very special guest. I've been talking to her for a while to get her on the show. Heidi Hooper has joined us. She is a visual artist who works with dryer lint mostly, but there's more to her than just Dryerland. We're going to get into all of it in our conversation with video later on. But before I get to that, being that this is episode 51, I want to run through some of the older episodes um, for newer listeners or people who might want to jump back and listen to episodes again. I just want to rattle off some episodes to you. I made a spiffy little list because a man's got to have a plan. First of all, episode one, artist Abby Brayman. This was the first episode. Um, Isaac and I were doing the recording. I n- only knew what I was doing from looking at other podcasts. You know, I, I had just jumped into this. And for a first episode, I think it went extremely well. Abby is a great artist. And I'm hoping to have her back on the show soon, hopefully, because... I really enjoyed talking to her, and um, it was a lot of fun. The episode went all over the place. It was great. Also, episode six, another visual artist, Doug Gilbert. Um, we went over to Doug Gilbert's studio to record that episode, got to see his work, and I'm going to tell you about Doug Gilbert for a second. One thing to know about me is that I am not a fan of abstract art. Not at all. I'm not a fan. It's been boring to me. I don't I don't get it. I didn't want to get it. And when I seen Doug Gilbert's work, he is an abstract artist, works in a bunch of different mediums. It didn't bother me. It was the first time abstract art didn't bug me. And that saying a lot about Doug's work. Okay? On top of that. He's a great guy with an amazing story to tell. As a lot of the people on this show are just, you know, everybody's got a story. And that's part of the show is just get it. to Just not only hear it and share it, but to chronicle it, to log it away. You know, these conversations will exist for a long time, whether it's on my computer or cyberspace, wherever it may be. I'm chronicling all these stories because we're all humans and we all got stories. All right, moving on. Episode 12, Miss Knockout. Uh, Miss Knockout is a rapper from Queens. Her and I worked on a couple of musical things together. And it's a shorty episode, but it's a good one packed with fun information. You hear about how she got into music, who she worked with, working over the radio, and the ins and outs 
of being an independent rap artist, which is all very interesting and things like if you're not in that world, you don't know. So you listen to it, you'll learn something. Moving on, episodes 16 and 33. Both of these have uh, my friend Ella Steinbeck on them. Now, Ella is an actress and stand-up comedian. Her and I worked on a couple of film projects together. I followed her comedy for a while. But along with that, she also is a chronic disease sufferer. She has Lyme's disease. Let me say that again. Lyme's disease and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. She lives with these every day. Um, in the first episode with her, episode 16, her and I talk about her film work, her comedy work, and then we go into her dealings with chronic illness. On the second episode with Ella, episode 33, her and I talk about living with chronic illness in the middle of New York City during Corona. Um, so that also was a great, that was a great interesting interview from her perspective because now most of us you know if we get it it's a problem but it may not spell ruin you know we all know older people keep them at home lock grandma in the closet don't let her go to Woolworths but there are also a lot of people out there with sicknesses and diseases who forget Corona. They have to worry about these things every day. And we have sort of, one thing we talk about on that episode is how the average person who doesn't have health problems is feeling a little bit of the day-to-day -day life of a person with chronic illness and always having to keep that in mind, keep another thing in mind. Great episodes with Ella. Moving on to the guest who's been on the podcast the most so far. I counted before this, before I recorded this. This guest is on episode 15, 17, 27, and 48 with more to come, Don Wilson. Now, Don Wilson is an amazing visual artist who's done art or taught art his whole life. Um, he has hitchhiked across the country almost 20 times. And this has a lot of stories to tell, both about art and not about art. And on top of that, he is also the grandfather of my buddy and my sound guy, Isaac. Very talented family. And, um, you know, it, every, every conversation with Don was great. And um, he is one of my favorite recurring characters on this planet. So... Go check out Don Wilson's episodes. Again, 15, 17, 27, and 48. And there's another one coming up. So keep an eye out for that. If you if you want more Don, you got it. Keeping on Don, we got Don Stetner. He is episode 24. And he is a, another visual artist who mainly works in inks. But he also does paintings. He ranges from abstract to surreal to realism to cartoons to uh, books he's he's done a lot of different things his his life's work has been art and um, he too has a lot of amazing stories to tell on his episode moving on to episode 29 another amazing story michelle Starr worked most of her life as a librarian at east stroudsburg university but she always had a bit of an acting bug 
And she tells us how she retired from a librarian and pursued acting and is doing fantastic. I worked with Michelle in some of my little movies that I've made in the past. And she has since worked alongside big stars in extra parts, in featured extra roles, all sorts of things. And um, her story is amazing and it backs up something that I have always felt is that it's never too late for anything, right? Listen to old Pete Hornberger. It's never too late for now, right? So that's another great episode. That is episode 29. Moving on to episode 35, Susan Silver. Miss Silver was one of the writers, one of the original writers, for the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And she went on to hang out with Bob Newhart and Jim Morrison and went on a date with Lenny Bruce. Susan is another person with an amazing life story, and it's also chronicled in the book Hot Pants in Hollywood. You can pick it up where all the books are. Episode 38, which is a real crown jewel episode for me already. Um, Sharon Fulta, the daughter of Louis Armstrong. Uh, I'm not going to get too deep into the how on that one, but it was a fantastic interview with video coming out soon. There was a big audio problem with the video, but it is coming out. And I should say, episode 33 is video of our conversation. Not every uh, episode has video with the person, but episode 33 does, as does episode 35 with Susan Silver. Last but not least, I want to shout out to my buddy Mike. He's been on episode 30 and a bunch more. Check out those episodes. I'd steer you to episode 31st. That's a very fun one, as well as episode 49, which is one of the more recent episodes with myself, Isaac, and our buddy Stefan sit down, and we cover lots of ground, lots of ground. So with that, I've chewed your ear enough. Let's get to my conversation with Heidi Hooper, and don't forget, you can find out more of what I'm up to, art, and everything else on Instagram, at Albert Shivers. I also hope everybody had a good holiday and hope you made the best out of it. That's all we could do at this point. I spent the holiday with a couple of close friends and I had a a beautiful time. I really did. You know, it's not normal. And like I said, we're making the best of it. But, you know, I was exactly where I needed to be this year. It's It's the weird holidays that you look back on, you know, the ones that you had to, you had to make do. Those are the ones that you'll look back on and, and appreciate in the end. You know, I once went out I once went out to dinner with my mother on Thanksgiving. It was weird and different, but you know what? Like I look back on it and it's it's a great memory. So I hope you had a good holiday and I wish everybody the best right here to your eyes. Everybody the best for 2021. Let's get to this podcast already. Jeez. Alright folks, welcome to the Planet Shivers Podcast and on this episode I'm very excited to finally have on Heidi Hooper who is a multi-talented artist who has been um, in all sorts of publications and galleries. Heidi, thank you for having being on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I I'm, I'm, was excited to talk to you. So um, let's start here. Currently you're showing at a number of different galleries. 
um, around. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, Gannett Gallery is, um, his December show was always like very unusual artists mm -hmm. that don't normally get noticed other places, which is why I love his gallery. Yeah. Um, and so I'm there. And then Amano Gallery, Amano in New Jersey has a part of the place that's constantly mine because I, I guess I sell well enough that, you know, she can right. justify it. Um, and then there's the Ithaca, New York. What's the name of the show again? Mike? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Got it already. <laughs> um, and so that's where I'm showing basically right now. I know there's some other shows coming up that uh, I'm on. No, don't know if I got in or not. You know, it's right. a coin toss whether you get in or not. Right. So I had recently seen your work at Gamut Art Gallery. And um, so right now, either um, fill in my, my blank spots, but um, you had just finished a series of your lint art that showed all of the seasons. Mm -hmm. And um, are those all over at Gamut Art Gallery or just a couple? No, just two. Okay. The other two are here at my house right now. Um, okay possibly getting ready to go to a show but they're online shows so it's not like it's, i have to take it out of the house gotcha so. gotcha so and all of your pieces for the most part are made out of lint yes so so that that's pretty amazing and um you are the only person that i know of doing that which is awesome when i first started out i think i was pretty close to the only one mm -hmm. and then within like four or five years we got a, a huge surge of people trying it right. and that just like plummeted because it's time consuming and right. is faster, you know? Right. So, um, and now I think there's maybe like a handful in the whole world okay. that are actually doing it. So I guess it fluctuates like any other art form. Yeah. But, so I can't say I'm the only person because right. I'm not. I understand. But I am the only person that, Ripley says I'm the only person to make it look like paint. Okay. And, you know, shading. Lots of shading. Right. So. So, before we get too much further, what originally gave you the idea to work with lint? Um, in 99, I got cancer. Mm -hmm. And I was a smith. <laughs> right. You know, we only have a three-pound hammer eight, ten hours a day. Um, and because of that, it was hard for them to detect the cancer because my, my apps were rock hard. Gotcha. Like a bodybuilder. Right. And, uh, so by the time they finally were able to resolve it, um, it ended up, it was a cancer that was only five years old. They'd okay. never known about it until five years ago. So they didn't know anything Man. as far as how to solve it. Um, so long story short, it ate away everything in my arm, like, and started it on the bone. It ate the nerves, the muscles, everything. Um, and so while I was sick, I kept, you know, because that little Irish monster has to give its little bit. <laughs> um, each morning I gave myself another task to do. And it was always something simple to see what I could do and what I couldn't do. Because over time it just kept progressing worse and worse and worse. And then I, in the long run I finally ended up with not being able to do much, and my mother-in-law was looking after me, you know, helping me out. Uh, and she had lupus and didn't know it, 
and dried all my chenille throws in the dryer until there was like the size of two collie dogs, one on the floor and one <laughs> on top of the dryer, mm-hmm. of these whirlwind of colors. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was so pretty, I couldn't throw it away. Mm-hmm. So I spent like the next three years trying to figure out what I could do with it. Wow. <laughs> so so I, from when you started to now, how, how do you develop your style now you mentioned shading and and uh, perspective and all that stuff within art so how do you develop that style while working with an unconventional medium not a trial and error right <laughs> um i learned the hard way i can't um your tendency my first tendency was to use lots of glues behind it right <laughs> stick and if and I took, for three years, I put stuff under the worst possible conditions you could put art through. Okay. So, like, it was in a musty, moldy basement. I did it on corrugated cardboard. I mean, the, every worst scenario I could think of. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that glues will eat away the fibers. Okay. I mean, like, chenille evaporated. All there was was an essence of color where it was. It was really creepy um so over trial and error i learned that i have to build it up really thick so that it stays forever Mm -hmm. instead of degrading away so i don't use very much adhesive only when i absolutely have to because i can't get anything to stay in place which is so even then it's like you know it's like you get the archival cement and i put it on my finger and just kind of rub it all over i mean we're super thin gotcha (laughs) so that it doesn't eat the fibers away because it will whatever fibers that it sucks into will disappear it just okay. eats it away um so i uh ended up with uh glass to hold it in place because i tried fixatives on the outside mm-hmm. and it the fibers are destroyed within no time i mean within like five years of short the fibers are just like bleh. Right. And and so um, I came up with the glass to hold it in place. So it's actually each piece is actually um, you can probably tell by here it's it's about a finger's thickness. Thick. Okay. It's it's, a, it's somewhere between the small ones are somewhere between a half and three quarters of an inch, and the big ones are about an inch to inch and a half. Wow. Thick. Okay. <laughs> so it's like it's a lot of lint. <laughs> Yeah, so how do you keep yourself supplied in Lent? Um, I came up with, well, I, I think my husband came up with the idea, but anyhow, I basically, at the end of each year, I send art thank yous. Like, all the, whatever I felt were my favorite pieces for the year, I thought were my best pieces, mm-hmm. they get the first printouts. When I do a series, like, you know, 100 printout, right. they get only thing that goes to galleries or conventions and stuff is what's left over after these people get theirs. Okay. So I send out prints and cups and all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. um, as a thank you, and that keeps the supply coming because people want the gifts. Right. There you go. <laughs> so, and then my patron page helps pay for the, the shipping supplies and all that stuff. Gotcha. As well as frames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So on the topic of the production of the art, one thing that jumped out at me as I watched some of your videos was um, your comparison between 
the raw lint versus dyeing it um, in terms yeah. of color. So what exactly is that about? Um, and by test drives that mm -hmm. I did in the worst scenarios, every single time, even when I put stuff under good conditions, but with just a slight humidity problem, um, it dyed the glass. Okay. It would dye onto the glass. And, and over time, in bad conditions, it would actually spread. So, like, if you had a little tiny area of, like, a pink, you know, like, just wavering of shading, right. it suddenly becomes this big, wide thing of pink, and it just totally destroys the picture. Gotcha. And that would be if the, if the lint was dyed. Yeah. Rather than... The dye somehow, over time, if there's any kind of moisture in the room or atmosphere... Yeah spreads to the other fibers next to it okay so then what would be then would raw lint be something that is just naturally that color well what it naturally comes out in the dryer okay because it's already gone through the rinse and wash process so therefore it's it's somehow or another it doesn't bleed like the fresh dye and then putting it in the wash machine dryer you know when you hand dye and stuff for some reason it always spreads right Gotcha. So I was mm -hmm. more scenario and testing stuff so that in case somebody does things like puts fiber in a bathroom, mm -hmm. is it going to hold up? You know. Understood. Understood. So from from beginning to end, do you begin by sketching these these pieces out yeah. and then laying yeah. the link? Okay. Could you yeah. um, go into a little bit of your process without giving away too many secrets? <laughs> well, I do. Um, there you go. There's a. There's, there's the sketch. Okay. It's, it's a little highlighted here. The room's got a little too bright yeah, light. I, I can see it well. But I don't do as much detail as I as you would do for a normal sketch if you were handing somebody a sketch. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be covered in lint. Right. Uh, I do take on, um, when somebody gives me a commission, though, I do give them... I probably shouldn't say this, but I do give them the surprise of they get the original sketch as well. Okay, nice. I actually take like here is a here's the original because I it's not a commission, but normally it would be it would be the copy that's here, and then they get the so they get two pieces for one. Gotcha. That's cool. So you you started out as a smith um, doing metal sculpting. Um, what, what kind of things did you get into doing that? Um, I mostly made women's armor. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> and I would, um, take a measurement every three inches and then actually sculpt the, the sheet metal to where it was a copy of their chest. So it was a okay. perfect fit. And then I always lined it with like, um, leather on the inside because metal, if you're jousting and it's cold out it's hurtful <laughs> right so the leather blocks the cold okay so these were these were internal functioning pieces of armor yeah nice and was is there anything from there that you've been able to apply to what you're working on now no okay it's a total different mindset you know it's mm. all it's fire and hammering and it's a totally different, right. you know, this is very fine, right. 
and metalsmithing is fine, but it's not the same kind of fine. You can be rough and rude with it and mm-hmm. still come back and and it keeps kicking. And it just doesn't do that. Right. So was <laughs> it... Screwed up. Uh-huh. Was it a, um, a challenging transition then to go from one oh, to the other? It was terrifying. Um, yeah, to, to suddenly wake up and find you everything you got your master's degree in and everything right. is out the window hmm. was was pretty devastating because um, I, can, I can barely lift a glass of water now. So mm-hmm. it's that kind of difference. Um, so it, it took a while to get used to it, but... You know, the fact that I found something else, that's, that's why I was trying something every morning, so that mm-hmm. I was not going to let the monster die. <laughs> yeah, that, that's important, is to keep keep that drive going, you know, and just find a way. I think yeah. that's something that every artist probably does have in common, is just the need to create, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, some days I just made cookies, because it was like... I can't physically do much, so you know what? Just accomplish something. I'm going to make cookies. Right. (laughs) So your art, um, when you started the the Lint Projects, your art got you on a lot of shows and in a lot of publications. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? That was a weird, wild ride, because I was so used to... It was just... Ripley started it, I guess. Um. I uh, I was so used to being, oh, it's dry or uh, it's not really art, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, galleries would be like, oh, we can't know anything about that material, so we can't sell it, you know, without even mm-hmm. looking at the art, you know. Right. Because photos don't do the pieces justice. Mm-hmm. It's the huge difference when you see it up close than when you see it on a photo. Right. Um, and so... Uh, First time was Ripley's contacting me by email. I didn't contact them. Right. Uh, still in my little corner trying to go, am I good enough? Oh, do I take it someplace or do I not take it someplace? You know, because I hadn't shown the work in too many places. Mm-hmm. And they just found me on the internet and put me in there. And then it's like every other year something else happened. And it was all due to Ripley's getting at Ripley's and then them posting it and then other people noticed it because I wasn't really I was being really bad and not really posting myself very much because right. I was not where I wanted to be right and is if you're not if the artwork's not where you wanted to be you think it's horrible even if it's yeah. not you think it's horrible I know what you mean <laughs> it's like you can mess up a good piece in five minutes just because you're feeling insecure about it you know right so what was um, it that Ripley's um approached you for like um they wanted to buy some of my artwork i thought it was a joke i had i had my husband handle it because i'm like mike this has got to be a scam right you know some place as big as ripley's isn't gonna want my crap you know Mm. because that's how i felt at the time i felt the work was kind of (laughs) crappy and admittedly a lot of it was (laughs) because i was learning at the time you know when i first started out i had I don't know, maybe 10, 20 boxes of colors. That's it. The reason the work is good now is because I have about a thousand boxes of dryer lint. Oh, wow. So, okay. So that's a lot more of a color span to pick from when you got that many boxes of, right. of colors. Mm-hmm. And you were so also... It was very monotone. <laughs> gotcha. And you were also featured on um, some TV shows and things. 
Yeah, to tell that was another one of those like, is this a scam? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did. That was a that was like some weird dream that happened because um, I still feels weird that it happened. But um, yeah, they flew me out to they bought work. They flew me out to California. They uh, put me up in a hotel and everything, and then I was on TV, and it was like I was scared stiffless. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I was like, if you can see my feet with without shoes on, it was probably like shaking like this the whole time. <laughs> and then, of course, the Mel Brooks was there because that doesn't put pressure on you, no. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I love the your photo with him was fantastic. I I I I wear makeup so little mm-hmm. that because um, I I'm one of those people that's allergic to makeup, so I don't okay. wear it very often. Because you can already see I'm starting to turn a little red here. Um, I kissed him on the, I said, okay, I know this sounds creepy, but ever since I was young, younger, I wanted to just give you a hug and maybe a kiss on the cheek. And he goes, well, honey, I'm right here. And I went, oh my God. So I kissed him on the cheek, totally forgot I had lipstick. He spent the rest of the show with lipstick. Oh. If you, if you, if you watch the show and you watch him walking around, he's got lipstick on this cheek. That's funny. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but lipstick on your, on your cheek. And he goes, I'll wear it with honor. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, that was, it was really, it was wild and cool. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I guess I'm a real artist now, was basically how I was feeling. It was like, oh God, Mel Brooks thinks I'm a real artist. I guess I'm a real artist now. You wow. know, because you're still in that little doubtful, I'm not where I want to be yet. Right, right. And did you notice, was there like a big influx of people interested in your work after these things? I really thought there would be, but no. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely not. I know. <laughs> I really thought, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get so much business. I'm going to sell so right. uh, No. Yeah. Zip. Zip. <laughs> that's the way art goes sometimes. I know. <laughs> so that's what I say. It was like, a, it was like a wild ride. It was all this... Pump, 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 and then nothing happens. Right. <laughs> right. So, what are you working on now? Um, now I'm doing basically the the series started with I I took uh, in the end of the end of each year mm-hmm. and the beginning of each year I work on my list of weaknesses. Throughout okay. the year, I will make notes as to where I think I'm weak. Mm-hmm. And I need to strengthen my craft. Um, and so this this year I worked on portraits because I felt I was, wasn't quite getting things quite right. So I was doing, and I went, well, if I'm going to do portraits and I just kind of have to have cats in there if you got a portrait. You know, <laughs> you got a person, you got to have a cat. I'm mm-hmm. a big cat person. Um, and so I went, well, that's too much space, so... I'm going to do big pieces since COVID has us not leaving home. Yeah. I'm nice, big pieces are going to take longer because the big pieces take like two months to do. Oh, wow. So, okay. I, uh, so I started the seasons to practice faces and body posture. So it's been, as a, as a Smith, you don't have to do figure drawing as much. So mm-hmm. I got kind of lazy <laughs> <laughs> and it showed. So I was working on the weaknesses. So now I'm doing still the same process, but I'm working on cards 
And basically what I'm working up to is doing tarot cards. Oh, awesome. So I'm, I'm working out. That's why some of the composition seems like it's good but odd. But that's because I'm working on, okay, so what happens if I do this? What mm-hmm. happens if I do this before I get to the, the big stuff? Right. Yeah, so, I'll be doing some more big pieces. <laughs> nice. So are you intending on doing a tarot deck? I mean, that's, I that's a big... I want to see how it goes, because right. if it's if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to keep doing it. Right, gotcha. But but theoretically, I think I could keep doing it for a while. Okay, so you, you sort of almost answered my next question, but um, I've been talking to a lot of artists on here, and I think that Corona has been a little bit of a double-edged sword for artists, because yeah, we're we're stuck at home. But we kind of want to be have be stuck at home and have time to do what we want to do. So, um, how have you, in terms of your art, made the best out of the situation? Um, I figured I don't have to. You know, when I start a long piece, mm-hmm. it's hard to take breaks. It's like you know, if you got a convention you got to go to, then you come back and you're in a different mindset, and it's harder to get back into the piece. Right. It's been. I have to say, it's kind of been awesome to be on a roll. Right, yeah. <laughs> I have never been able to be on a roll before. I've always had to, like, nope, got to stop, got to do this. You know, because when you pack for a show, it takes, like, two weeks to pack for a show. Okay. You know, I got all the boxes and the and paperwork and all that other jazz. Mm-hmm. So it's nice not having to do that every few weeks, you know. Right. I get, like, three weeks or two weeks on a piece, and then suddenly got a break for two weeks, and it's... Mm-hmm. It makes it very choppy, so it's been really nice to be on a roll. Right. I know a lot of artists have been having a lot of trouble with dry spells and stuff, but um, yeah, I'm unfortunately not. <laughs> right. No, I know. I, I understand what you mean. Um, have you felt that, given the situation, it's affected your work in terms of what you're doing, or are you on track with your plans? It's actually helped me keep on track with my plans. Okay. I know that sounds kind of creepy, but <laughs> yeah, the fact that I don't have the other distractions, I'm spending the extra time on the details that I might not have spent. I might have gone, ah, it's good enough, let it go. Right. Because there's a, especially the small ones, because there's like a certain point where it's like, eh, this will easily sell to somebody. I'm not going to go to like spend another five hours on it because I'm not going to make up that that much in money because they're all like a set price so to speak mm-hmm. um right. so then i have to admit on this on the smaller ones sometimes i cheat and it's been really nice to not cheat and it's made me realize cheating is bad <laughs> and i should never do that i'm better off with less pieces than cheating because they're just not up to quality and mm. you just want to rip them apart when you're done right. so, <laughs> and i have a horrible habit of doing that if I really dislike how a piece turned out, I will literally rip it off the foam core and recycle all the lint. Mm. Spit days just recycling all the lint because it's like, no, this is horrible. I'm not putting this out there. Gotcha. <laughs> now, I've been in that situation, too, of just, nope, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> just move on. It's like the only, only way you can get it out of your mind to not want to go back and work on it is just take it apart. Yeah. And there is, you know, I've run into fixing it until it's more broken. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I found I was starting to do. And mm-hmm. I was like, 
no, no. And so that's why I started getting lazy because I found I was doing that and I went, no, let's, let's re judge this whole thing and see what we're doing wrong. Because it was like the end was not getting me where I wanted to go when I was being lazy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, wrapping up real quick, where can people find your work now? Um, physically walking in and seeing it would be uh, Gamut Gallery in Stroudsburg mm-hmm. um, and a mono gallery in New Jersey. Okay. And online, can people check out? You have a website, right? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. I got demos and videos and all that stuff on my webpage, yeah. All kinds of stuff. Cool. Oh, yeah, HeidiHooper.com is the, the webpage. Okay, great, great. Well, Heidi, yeah, we're, we're at the end of our time, but I really want to thank you for, for giving your time to the show. Okay. I really appreciate you coming on. And, um, yeah, I hope that, you know, you can continue to be productive during this weird time that we're in right now. Yeah. It's going to get better. It's just going to be a while. I, I'm one of those people with two blood diseases, so I can't leave the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Safe, safe with art. It's the best. Yeah, best so bet. I'm, I'm engrossing in my art, and it's been great. I totally redid the whole studio, so that, okay. you know, it was more accessible. So yeah, I've, I actually been doing pretty good. No, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've finally having the time to sit down and do work. You know, I, I've been more productive too, and you do almost feel a little guilt, guilty about it. Because yeah. you're like you're enjoying this time, and it's like, should I be enjoying this? I don't know. So it's yeah. like, oh, I'm enjoying being a hermit. Is this is this healthy? Right. <laughs> no, no I, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. But yes, thank you again so much for doing the show. Um, okay. I was excited to have you on, and um, yeah, thank thanks again, and um, okay. I'll spread the word. And, and using it art walks, whenever the area at Strasbourg area has art walks, I'm usually with the art walks. So people come in and see stuff in person then, too. But okay. That's probably a couple of years away with the pandemic, so. Right, yeah. And thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Guess what? Anytime, hon. Okay. Take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers Podcast. You can find this episode and 50 more on all major podcast platforms and YouTube with video. I want to thank Heidi Hooper for being on the podcast. Next week, we got another good one for you. And you can find out more about it and more about what I'm up to with art and such on Instagram at Albert Shivers, on Facebook at Albert Shivers Visual Artist, and on the Albert Shivers Patreon page. Thank you again so much for listening, and I want everybody to have a very happy new year. Let's keep making the best out of things. Whatever they throw at us, we're going to make the best out of it. They can't beat us. Remember that. Catch you in the next episode.